What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room, the official podcast of AOTG.com, and I'm your host, Gordon Burkell, and this week we're talking to Celia Haining. Now, we're going to be discussing The Crown and her work on the latest season. Uh, of course, we don't get into season four, which is just about to start, and we get into a lot of story discussion here to figure out uh, how she approaches editing for story. Of course, if you're enjoying this podcast, you'll really enjoy our work over at FilmmakerU.com, where we work with the top people in the film industry so they can show you your tricks and secrets from their amazing careers. Over there, you can check out Mad Max Fury Road Colors, Eric Whip, discuss color correction and show you some of his tricks. You can see Oscar award-winning sound designer Eugene Garrity discuss how he approaches designing a sound for Martin Scorsese. Or you can see Emmy award-winning Brian Cates discuss how he approaches story in the edit. All that said, I'm your host, Gordon Burkell, and here's my interview with Celia Haining. To start off, how did you get involved with The Crown? I got involved. My agent got a call, and I was asked to go for an interview, and it was before it had come out. So it was for season two, mm-hmm. but season one wasn't out yet. So no one knew anything about it. Well, I certainly knew nothing about it. There was no publicity yet. And my agent said, oh, it's this TV series about Queen Elizabeth. It's called Crown. And I was like, oh, really? That sounds <laughs> awful. Like, ugh. And, and he was like, well, read the script. So they, they sent me episode one of season two to read. And they'd also sent me a link to the offline episode one from season one. And so, yeah. I started watching it. I can't remember whether I watched it first or read the script first. I think I watched the episode first. And within a couple of minutes, it was pretty clear that this was something very exciting and sort of phenomenal. And I was just like, oh, no. So now I feel all this pressure before this interview that I really, really want this job. You know, it was just so, it was just so sort of classy and Mm -hmm. felt so sure of itself. and just absolutely loved it and so yeah so I went for an interview not having met the director before and it went pretty well I felt quite good about it we had a nice chat we had breakfast and a bit of a chat and talked about the script quite a lot and I got the job what do you look for in a script when you're getting new scripts for the first time like this well I mean I I really enjoy reading anyway and I really enjoy reading scripts but it's not I don't suppose anything specific I'm just curious about I guess it's partly the quality of the writing the the way things are communicated and also partly the subject matter and I'm not sure but it but it it is very much all about script you know the choices that I make of what I'm interested in working on are mostly to do with the quality of the script you know I certainly read bad scripts that I was obliged to say yeah great but, but yeah, when you read something good, because there aren't that many really good scripts, you do notice it pretty fast. And, you know, and then you fight like hell to get an interview. But, you, don't, you know, you can't control that. They don't want to meet you. They don't want to meet you. And, you know. But generally, by the point at which you've got a script, you probably have an interview lined up, which is good. But, yeah, it can be disappointing when you read something and you go, yes, yes. Yes, yes, please. And then, and then you don't get an interview. Anyway. 
Well, now, I um, as soon as I found out I was interviewing you, I reached out to Sean uh, Fever. Oh, yeah. She was yeah, one of yeah, the assistants. Yeah. And so I was like, y- you got to give me any insight. Now, she said she didn't work with you as your assistant, but she she said you were a lovely person. <laughs> oh, she's and she said that the crown was a very editorial led show and i was wondering if you could explain uh what she means by this or what is it that makes it an editorial led show it's a very collaborative process i mean it it always is i'm working on season four right now and i'm so lucky to have been able to do three seasons of it i really enjoy working on it the thing about editing is you're always kind of involved in the final write of the script in a way. So always the script is written and rewritten initially before the shoot. And then during the shoot, things change for various reasons. And that is an organic part of the process. There might be limitations due to a location or due to, I don't know, there's there's all sorts of reasons why things get changed organically at, at the time of the shoot. And then once you're in the cutting room, you're putting it together and things that seemed to be one thing when you read the script, once you see it all together, they can feel quite different. And you can't always anticipate that. So there's always times when you're, you know, you're watching something and you're going, oh, that's interesting. I need to be picking up on X and I'm not. Like, how can I make it more like that? And sometimes there are things that, the director has brought to the script which wasn't clearly written in the words but they've they've added an extra layer of complexity or another element and so there are all these other things that sort of come into play so between the editor and the director you're you're working on how to make it you know how to sort of reimagine it in a in an even better way all the time and trying to clarify things. And often you find you're cutting away extraneous things. This is why so many people that have small parts in a, in a movie get, find themselves on the cutting room floor. Yeah. Because, you know, inevitably you're, you're trying to make the main storyline, the A storyline, like hit as powerfully as it, as it can. So you're often trying to sort of thoroughly simplify, but, but sort of amplify. And so all those things, are happening while you're working with the director and then when Peter Morgan the showrunner who is the writer gets involved he has a whole load of input um, and he has his own take on you know what you've kind of put in front of him and then you're working very closely between basically between him the lovely producers Suzanne and Una who are incredibly involved and very kind of creatively in the middle of everything it's it's a really collaborative process it's really great it really it you go through such a lot of kind of layers of uncovering um with the story there's a couple of things in there that that you just said that i wanted to sort of touch on like one of them is you know trying to either highlight or i guess you're always trying to find that balance are we being too heavy with this storyline or not heavy but like obvious i guess you could say we need to pull back or vice versa audiences and getting you know, that character A needs to do this or what have you. But one of the issues I found whenever I've been editing is that you're so bathed in footage in the story constantly. Like you're you're there at early in the morning, you're there late at night. How do you how do you keep focus and how do you keep perspective 
you know, something that seems obvious to me might not be to an audience, but I've also, you know, been staring at this footage. So how do you keep focus and make sure that you are being that sort of champion of the story in the right parts? I think that's the eternal question, isn't it? And I think every editor does struggle with that because you're so close, close to the material. It's very difficult on a viewing to approach it with a fresh head. And it's part of the skills that you develop over time, but also, you know, you depend on the other people, you, the director and the producers to kind of see it with fresh eyes because people see it at different points in the process. It's very useful to get their feedback for those reasons. But that is the, the balance that you're always trying to, striving to achieve. And it's funny because you, you know, sometimes you find your, getting rid of words, dialogue that seem to say the same thing twice or, you know, that, that like you say, that it makes it too obvious. And then at other times you're trying to communicate something that you're not sure is there, you know, for the audience and you're trying to work out how to make it clearer. I think there was that thing in uh, the Walter Murch book, uh, In the Think of an Eye, where they were talking about problems people had with storylines and plots. And people would give notes where they'd say, oh, this wasn't clear. I don't understand this. But very often the scene they were talking about, it wasn't so much about that scene. Often it was about something beforehand that wasn't made clear enough. He used to talk about, I can't remember how he phrased it. It was very wonderful. But just something like, you know, you go to the doctor and you've got a pain in your finger, but actually the problem's in your shoulder, you know. And it's that kind of thing. It's identifying those those things where you go, oh, that's not clear. Wait, why is that not clear? And often when you're getting notes from people, it's a lot more useful for the editor to just hear what the problem is because then when you look at it, you can figure out different ways to solve it. It might not be as as clear as working on that one theme. And so, yeah, sometimes if you get very prescriptive notes from people where they're, they're trying to diagnose and also provide the, you know, the solution, it's harder the editor you also mentioned in when we we were talking that about how collaborative this process is and you mentioned that the writer comes in or the creator slash writer and gives notes but what is that working relationship like with the the writer are you guys restructuring things a lot in the cutting room it can be restructuring It, it can be anything it there's a lot of back and forth and a lot of discussion and you know sometimes for him you know he might just need to stick with it for a bit and then something will come to him and he'll be like okay I've got it why don't we try this and that's you get some really big breakthroughs sometimes that way and then other times yeah it's it's really between him and the director they kind of you know the ideas go back and forth in order to find the solution and yeah and so sometimes you're in a room discussing it for a while and other times he'll Sort of give notes and then you and the director will kind of take it apart and go okay what's really going on here how can we solve it mm-hmm. and it might not be the exact thing that's the problem but it might be a bigger bigger picture problem and you have to kind of do a more global approach the series it, the blocking of the series is done in two episode chunks for the editors and i'm wondering how you worked with the other ed- editors to there's two relationships in particular that I was fascinated with in season 
uh, three, and that is the Prime Minister with Elizabeth and Princess Margaret. And they all and they both come to a head in, in episode 10, which you worked on. Or not a head, but like um, they come to yeah. their pinnacle. So I'm wondering how you worked with the other editors to make sure that their character arcs worked in your episode. So season three, my director was directing episode seven and episode 10. And the prime minister's storyline, so he was less present in my episode, but because there are so many episodes, you're always trying to keep on top of what the other episodes have happening in them. Obviously, you read all the scripts at the beginning. And then as they're locking earlier episodes, if you're doing the final app, you're trying to view them as they lock so that you're aware of what the earlier episodes have done. And especially, obviously, like you say, if, it's, if your characters are particularly involved in those episodes, you need to watch them. But also, the, the director is doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. She was, you know, watching the early episodes as they locked and trying to, we were just trying to be super aware of everything we should be aware of. And then also, you know, that's something that the writer and also the producers are keeping an eye on, the, the overall development across the series. So it wasn't that tricky for the Harold Wilson, you know, working out his kind of end point and that sort of farewell between him and Elizabeth. I'd say, with Margaret, in a sense, again, I had, uh, well, not again, but the thing about the Margaret storyline was that there was such a lot going on in episode 10 for her. She went through such a sort of massive arc in that episode that it felt like it was almost a standalone thing in a way. Uh, to be really specific, like within, within my block, working with Jessica Hobbs, Paolo Pandolfo, who's the other editor that did episode seven with her. Jess likes to work in a very collaborative way between the two editors. So we were kind of viewing each each other's episodes as we went along and commenting on them and sort of putting our heads together, which was great. I mean, it's not like we edited bits of each other's, but that's how she works. She really likes everything to be very um, kind of open and it's it's really constructive. It's a really great way to work. I don't even know how to ask this question. I just sort of made this note. And I was wondering, finding a balance between pacing and character and development, uh, or character development and storytelling, like trying to figure out what should take precedence. Like everyone always says storytelling takes precedence, but they're all sort of intertwined. Like uh, the character development is going to affect the story development. But sometimes you need to make decisions on, you know, I'm going to speed up the scene so that we can get into the next scene faster or what have you. How do you determine, you know, what should take precedence in your editing decisions since all of it can sort of impact the audience? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, that is the job, isn't it? That's a big part of what we're doing all the time, making those decisions to try and figure out how the impact is going to be the greatest. I completely agree. It can't be pure kind of plot in a way because if you lose the kind of texture of what's going on for a character, it's not helpful. You have to you have to experiment, basically. We have the luxury of a little bit more time on The Crown than I would normally have for a, an hour of television drama. And it means that you can try things and view them and then make a judgment and make a change. I mean, obviously, that's what our job is constantly. We're 
making changes and reviewing and, and trying to make a judgment call. So I think a, a lot of it is you might have one set of ideas when you view it one time. And then when you've implemented those ideas and you see it again, you see a completely different set of things that you want to address. Um, and sometimes it's at the beginning of the process, it's definitely kind of cutting away the wood so you can see the trees. But then there are there are any number of different shows you can make, different episodes you can make. You know, you can choose to emphasize something in quite a different way. And I guess the eternal question, Jess is always saying, you know, the exercise that's really useful is to go, okay, if you were just, just came out of a movie theater and you've just seen something how would you explain to someone what it was about in like two sentences what would you say is, is the thing that was important and I guess you're initially you're reducing it to that nugget of what the main point of it is and then you're allowing it to expand back out and have the space it needs to tell that story you're just you're making choices and then you're reassessing you know and just reappraising and trying to figure out if it feels effective, I guess. I have two more questions for you. One is, what would you consider the most challenging scene you had to cut for the series, and why? Ooh, oh gosh. Okay. Uh, I think the scene where Princess Margaret and Tony have a big fight, that was a tough scene. That was, I think, I think scenes where, where there's a lot of anger where things are very heightened, it's really delicate getting that right, getting that balance right, especially when there's anger, I think, because you want to be feeling for that person without it becoming kind of over the top. So you want to be feeling that you kind of understand the dilemma. I really love that scene. I, re- I really like it. I think it turned out beautifully are you talking about the one where she comes back with roddy yes it was a great scene yeah it's a great scene right i mean yeah, yeah she's just she's just brilliant yeah it was such a it was such an exciting thing to edit on the woman carter and I, I met her only once and i i didn't say that i'd been a sort of lifelong fan because those conversations never go well <laughs> but i really wanted to i was really tempted because i sort of when i was and I watched A Room with a View and it had a massive effect on me and I wrote my dissertation about that film. So it was a real moment of poetic, I don't know, it just felt, I felt so fortunate, you know, to be in that position. It was, it was incredibly exciting. My last question I like to ask all the people I interview and, and that's, what's your favorite guilty pleasure film to watch? Yes, I listened to one of your podcasts, which I really enjoyed. Oh, thank you. And, uh, and so I heard that question first. Sure about it but I don't know how I don't know how guilty it is but the, I think the film that I can definitely watch countless times apart from A Room With You which definitely I did but I did have to because I wrote my dissertation on it. Um, and I love that film I think All About Eve mm. is the one that I can watch endlessly because I get so carried away by the emotion of it every time I watch it and it's so so fierce and it doesn't seem long it's such a long film, but it always feels just right. You know, they really, they really get into it. And um, the actors are so amazing. 
Thank you so much for letting me interview. It's a great pleasure. Thank you. So that was my interview with Celia. I'd like to thank Celia for joining me. I'd also like to thank Netflix for helping organize this interview. I'm your host, Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening.